Hello and welcome to the Casual Hour, a podcast ostensibly about video games, but mostly about podcasts done quick. I'm your host, Bobby Pease. Joining me tonight, the gamer on the go, Mr. Chase Kinnicky, and special... I, I see what you did there. Not bad, huh? Not too bad, because we're not fast here. Uh, no, not in the slightest. Absolutely not. And a uh, friend of the show returning, Mr. Zach Fleeman. Zach, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, Thank you for coming on. It's been a while. Back from the grave. Back from the grave. Uh, Johnny Amazich. The grave is of Colorado. Yep. Out on assignment, thank God. We actually get some talent in here instead of him. Yeah. And uh, You just gave him a fake assignment, right? To like go get a sprocket wrench. Yeah, I said, hey, hey, Johnny, uh, go out there and look for some grass seed or something like that. And he's uh, He's been in the shed for a minute. So uh, we don't miss him at all, uh, but we hope that he's having fun wherever he's at. And uh, I'm sure he'll be poking around sometime next week. But tonight, forget Johnny, we got Zach back in here with us. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of fun stuff tonight, but I am just so thrilled to have you guys here and get <coughs> caught up on what's new with you, man. How, how's things been in the last two years? We're still uh, bad here. Yeah, uh, things have been pretty good. We, um, I don't know, we kind of doubled down on living out in Colorado. We bought a house and had a baby, did that whole bit. That's amazing. Um, yeah, no, it's been it's been crazy. He's a seven month old baby boy right now, and he's he's getting to be pretty high effort. But it's it's crazy to see like, oh, I made that, and it is now crawling. You know, I mean, but you, um, I mean, I mean, I've said that, but it wasn't about a baby yeah. oh boy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, y- you've you've heard a million people tell you what it's like to have a baby in that first year. So it's it's all sure. that. Um, but no. Um, and most recently, you've just kind of been, I don't know, uh, playing playing a few more games, getting into some weird corners of games, but I don't want to steer the direction, steer the conversation that direction too soon if you don't want it. <laughs> no, sure. Uh, I think the last time we had you on here, you were doing a new segment on your YouTube channel. And uh, since then, you've transitioned to some really fun stuff. Tonight's episode is going to be a little bit different than the typical what you've been playing, followed by some news. Uh, was it two weeks ago that uh, AGDQ was, or was that last week? Uh, start of the year. Um, start of the year in general uh so tonight we're going to be talking about awesome games done quick and other speed running uh segments as we get into the back half of the episode um but we are going to keep that what you've been playing segment here at the top top half and we're going to give zach a chance to talk a little bit about what he does uh outside of playing video games and some more about his channel and where you can find him but uh zach i i'd like to know oh go ahead i do i do like how zach has transitioned from uh a a (laughs) This mentality of, you know, I don't have enough money, so here are some very cheap games, to I don't have a lot of time, so here are some games very quickly. Yeah, very, very quick games, yeah. <laughs> He's efficient in both categories. I appreciate yep. the efficiency yep. of Zach. Very adaptable. Uh, I love it. Uh, so, Zach, I was hoping that you would have brought a backlog of about two years worth of games to talk about. Um, and this, you know, it's been a while, so I don't know everything that you've been playing since you were last on the show. And... Uh, <gasps> <laughs> they're all short fast games right so it shouldn't take very long yeah yeah i can i can say things really quick too um the last the last time i think you were talking uh i don't think it was devil daggers but it was a game that was a lot like devil Daggers. oh yeah that was that was on the show that was called uh i mean it, the game was just as forgettable as its title uh <laughs> but forgettable that, that daggers of, yeah <laughs> daggers daggers it's just the, the question mark. <laughs> you like daggers? Uh, that was called uh, Swarm Lake, as I scroll back in Steam forever. Yeah, definitely. That's a name I the remember. The classic. 
Um, <laughs> no, but let's see. Like, I don't know. I, I, I talked to you guys in like spring of 2018 when I was playing a lot of RimWorld, um, just like mm-hmm. a very simmy city building game that that popped up again in 2019 um and it's just great that game is nuts it's uh, i don't know as far as like the sims goes like I, I played a ton of the sims i like the tiny simmy aspects but this one is like very dire and has different it's like what if you were playing the sims but but a grenade could fly in the window you know like it that's that's kind of what i see it as that's but, the only type of sims i want to play yeah <laughs> so that that's kind of been uh as far as like games that have really just have really been awesome to me that that RimWorld's one and like I'm just looking back through last year I don't I didn't really play anything what was your favorite game of 2019 yeah that's what I was yeah favorite game of 2019 um actually I typed up a script for a video that I never made which is always like uh hello darkness my old friend uh music plays (laughs) whenever that happens like cool it's gonna be great I'm gonna record it over the next two days it's gonna be an awesome video and then I just don't do it uh Let's see, 2019. I, I played... I So, okay, the game I played the most in 2019 was uh, Death Stranding, which I, I, I'm i sure, Chase, you've talked about on the show before. Oh, just once yeah. or twice. Just a, just um, a little bit. Yeah, that that game that game ruled. Uh, no, hold on. Sorry. <laughs> hey. <laughs> that, <laughs> yep, that's that the right game attitude. Gamed. That I, game... I, that game has some really cool yeah, things. It, it happened to me, I guess. Like... Um, I, what I wrote here is I, I, I'm just going to read what I wrote because it's like two sentences. I ended up really liking death stranding, but I couldn't recommend, recommend this game to a single person with a straight face. If you're Mm -hmm. interested in a game about painstakingly, painstakingly walking resources from point A to point B, go for it. Something about planning my paths and rebuilding roads with finite resources was so satisfying. Uh, yeah, I think more people need to see Mads Mickelson's pretty lips. The the well, paragraph kind of trails off there, but what was your so on our game of the year episode? Uh, not to to rehash this too much, we had our a category called best mads or favorite mads, and okay. uh, mm. what was your yes. favorite mads in Death Stranding? I'd say one of the like thirteen times he emerges from the water and just kind of looks up like Ugh. sure, <laughs> yep. Watery mads. I love watery yeah, yeah. mads. Wet mads. Um, actually, no. The, <laughs> Wet hot American there's, mads. There's, a, there's an ending portion of that game. Like The second you, uh, I guess, see credits for the first time in that game to the next like two hours, mm-hmm. um, it sounds like a joke, but it really is a really special moment of games for me last year, just seeing like so many questions get answered. Uh, Bobby, did you play through it? Uh, I stopped right before I had to go to the mountains because I hear the mountains suck. And uh, so I spent a lot of time oh. just like building networks of zip lines and really enjoying that moment in the game where it kind of gives you the wheel for the first time. Oh, and yeah. I was really into building roads and helping others do that shit. And that was my purpose in the game. I f- it feels like it got off the rails quite a bit after that from everybody that I've talked to that enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say it was on the rails before that either. But that's the thing. Sure. Like, I, exactly. I, it, I mean, I you're, it, you're free to talk about whatever because, like, we. Yeah, it's been. I know. We did, like, moment of the year and, okay. and we talked about the ending and all the bullshit. And I made some very impassioned arguments about how garbage that game is, despite all. Despite actually really liking it. Yeah. There there are some. Uh, there's just some moments in those last few cutscenes where, uh, yeah, a lot of things get answered and um, just a lot of really good. I don't know. Like, say what you will about Kojima, but he's a. 
He's not the best director or like, he's, I don't think he's the best storyteller, but he's a really good director. I think like mm-hmm. he knows, mm-hmm. he knows what he's doing is ter- in terms of like structuring audio video signals, you know, like there are some really cool scenes. Like when Mads gets out, I forget his name, uh, uh, his character's name. Clifford. Unger. Yeah. When he gets out the, the BB who it, you learn is Sam. Um, mm-hmm. and he's pointing the gun at the door. There's just like some really interesting imagery with like, you know, even though it's far-fetched and stupid having, you know, learn how a baby is made, but like seeing a fetus in a game and like, you know, we had our own stretch of like fertility issues getting to Owen. So like seeing, you see that game shows you like dead fetuses at some points and you're like, that's mm-hmm. really, I'm not going to say powerful or brave, you know, I'm not going to give it that much credit, but it's, it's unique. <laughs> it, it, it triggered some emotions in me that I did not think I would have. So my, I, I like, Death Stranding ruled gameplay-wise because I loved building those roads up to the mountains and everything like that. Super good. Um, and then, like, actually, like, theme and story really hit something with me. Um, yeah. yeah, that was probably the coolest. That was the game I put the most time into in 2019. Now, I think, I, if I do remember whenever you were last on, um, I, I don't want to, like, misquote, but I think that you said uh msgv was a game that you had thought about like pretty much every day or often since playing it and you were a huge yeah. fan of that madison square garden v yeah that's my yeah. favorite game so i think uh there it is M- mgs there thank you uh keeping me honest yeah you know i i don't i don't usually correct you but i thought i might in this instance i appreciate it um but i i'm happy to hear that the trend is still alive two years later on uh kojima impacting your your preferences there that's great yeah, and like I, I think I've had my time with it. I, I still do think like I didn't do any of the roads leading up to the mountain. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, like that's that's where I stopped because they just they start getting stupid at that yeah. point. Like there's so many materials and they don't feel like you get enough out of them anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think like I, I so clearly saw that as like okay, that's the end game. Like that's some end game in-game stuff like when people say like oh how's the end game that's that game's end game and i never get to that point in Mm -hmm. any game i just want to move on by that time um but uh that was good resident evil 2 was also really good last year um yes but i mean it's 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 good in all of the usual ways i don't really know what it like changed but they it just shows you like man they really don't make games like that anymore like that, when I was playing that, I'm like, this is a game ass. This is a video game ass game. Like this is crazy. Yes. And maybe that's because like, I kind of keys. And I cut my teeth on like Capcom, Capcom stuff a lot. Like I play a lot of Capcom games, so playing Resident Evil Two is like, oh wow, yeah, this is how games used to be made. But maybe it's not. But it mm-hmm. felt awesome. <gasps> Are you excited for three? Yeah, I mean, I, I... yeah, I mean, no, because I have no, I, I have no idea about that story at all. Like that's that's the my missing link in Resident Evil. I know enough about one to be like, oh, Jill Sandwich, and that's about. I one seems boring. Um, two has Leon, so I was always kind of interested in two because I my first one was four, and so mm-hmm. like I. And the thing is, I you never hear people talk about three, so I'm really kind of curious about that. Yeah, the only thing I know is Nemesis mm-hmm. is in it, and I don't even really know what Nemesis is other than like he's Mister X big, with rockets. Yeah, that's yeah, that's kind of what I, and like a long tongue. Mm-hmm. It. But that's that's all I really know. The about way it. I'm understanding, like, yeah, like the way you describe Nemesis, like with this big hulking character with rockets, it's almost like it almost makes me think, like, I wonder if people looked at four at the time in certain aspects, and be like, oh, they really pulled it back, like they went kind of more moody in that first half than mm-hmm. like 
But I mean, I forget that game kind of goes well, nuts. So from the from the context, like Gears of War had come out between those two games, between between Resident Evil Three and Resident Evil Four, and Gears was so influential on people about oh, we have to do this over the shoulder, yeah, uh, third person cover based stuff, and and I don't think RE Four has a ton of cover based stuff in it, but it's definitely helping that over the shoulder. I hope I'm right on that. RE4 came. I think after RE4 Gears, came. Right? It was on GameCube. It was before. RE4 it. was. I, I so I know this very well. RE4 came out like January, February twenty. Or, sorry, two thousand five. I was wow, January eleventh. Year, year. I was so afraid of it. I bought it and then I got it home. And I was such like a really sheltered Christian boy that I shot a guy in its head and it it blew up. <laughs> And I was like, yeah. "Oh goodness!" And so I sold it to a friend. <laughs> I didn't. Shot, I think <laughs> I bought devil. it. Oh, yep. I bought it back Shit, from him. You're right. Uh, later that year, because everyone was talking about Game of the Year stuff, and they're like, "All right, four was really good." And I was like, "Ah, shit! I really did like kind of chicken out on that one." And it became one of my yeah, favorite games right. of all Gears, time. Gears came out the next the next year, November in 2006. So I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. But yeah, yeah. Like there was a there was that big shift between three and four. Where you know it shift perspective, it shifted from uh, like I think that game eventually gets into umbrella stuff, but it doesn't start that way because no. you're in like Spain, right? It, it hardly yeah. touches on umbrella stuff, which is why yeah. the rest of the series is kind of like a. I don't know if I really care about the umbrella stuff. You know, I just yeah, mm-hmm. right. Because then five kind of goes right back into that, but it, it takes the it takes the gameplay of four makes it more actiony, adds the co-op and then brings in the Wesker and the umbrella mm-hmm, bullshit mm-hmm. back in. Yeah. And then six is just terrible from what I hear, but it's got Leon in it. So it must be like, he's back. Resident yeah. Evil games. Leon's in it. I'm sold <laughs> that hair. Mads's lips. Perfect man. <laughs> <laughs> Give me all of that, please. Well, um, that's oh awesome my. to hear me. Thank you for the recap of 2019. Yeah. Uh, it, it was, ended up being a pretty cool year. And, and 2005. Yeah. Yeah, keeping it. Let's just keep going back. Uh, no, all joking aside, I'd love to know uh, what's some of the recent stuff you've been into. Like, what's what's keeping you busy these days? Um, are we talking about the Mario stuff? Any of it? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we could start with that. Yeah, like maybe keep it light because we'll bring okay. it up a little bit more later. Um, yeah, I've been. Uh, what's been keeping me busy these days? I mean, kid, and I'm looking at you know switching up some work stuff here, but. Um, really when I get home and I have some free time, I work on this weird new, uh, super Mario world ROM hack hobby. Um, and I call it that because like so much of my time has been spent, not actually playing Mario world ROM hacks. It's been spent around like gathering components to make reproduction carts, um, finding like new and exciting ways to mess with super Nintendo hardware, buying a super NT, like getting everything optimized to stream, these games, but I mean, to take it a step back, like, um, most of the, I referenced this script. Most of this script was me talking about how did I even get here with the Mario stuff? Like, cause it was <laughs> such a weird path. Like Mario maker two was definitely my most like anticipated game of last year. Um, and I loved it. It was great. Um, but then I think Patrick Klepek, uh, wrote an article about one of create a uh, level creators levels getting taken down and his name was grant right. grand Pooh bear. And so I was like, who is this guy? And I found him on Twitter and he tweeted out a video like, hey, I'm, I have a video showing you how to do um, uh, more advanced tricks in Mario um, in, in like Mario Maker. So I clicked on that guy's video and it was just about, about how to do shell jumps in Mario Maker, which 
uh, it's become a big part of my life, but a shell jump for the uninitiated is um, <laughs> if you're holding a shell next to a wall in a Mario game, you can jump and at a certain point in your jump, release the shell and get an extra like little bonus hop off of it. Yeah, you like bounce it off the wall and then you're able to jump off of yeah, it. Like while, you were smashing while it. ricochets back in the yeah. air. Yeah, like yeah. like you had, I don't know, jumped off of a ledge and just jumped on a Koopa. Yeah. You get, basically get yeah. to do that again. Um, and it's a, you know, it's like an entry, it's an entry level technique for Kaizo gameplay um, that is like a very advanced technique. It just unlocks a whole lot of movement potential in, in Mario games. But, so he was like teaching how to do that and I had never really seen this. And so just clicking on one of Grand Poober's videos, YouTube, the being the most, being the smartest robot in the room said, hey, Grand Poober was at Summer Games Done Quick just like three weeks ago um, doing a lot of Mario stuff. And so I saw uh, Grand Poo World 2 uh, by Mitch Flower Power in one hour. And I was like, what? That, I don't even understand anything in that, in that <laughs> wow. video headline. So I clicked on it and I quickly realized that like, okay, this is a, this is a Kaizo Mario ROM hack. And I knew what that was because like this, the fall that I started uh, college, my, I met a buddy and he said, Hey, you like video games. Have you heard of this Kaizo video? And he showed me the Kaizo Mario world video where it's just like this really hard Mario game. And we play a little bit of it. And I was like, Oh, haha, that's fun. I can't do that. That's impossible. Whatever, blah. <laughs> and you know, 12 years later I see this video. I'm like, they're still doing that. And I'm like, Oh, of course they are. Cause they made Mario maker one in 2015. And that like reinvigorated the entire community and Mario maker two has done it again. And so like, Super Mario World hacks are becoming a big thing. And um, Grand Pool World 2 is probably the highest profile hack that's come out in years. Um, it's made by this guy named Barbar or, yeah, Barbarian or Barbarous King on Twitch. Um, and he, uh, he kind of got his, he cut his teeth with Mario Maker 1 and started to like kind of feel how limited Mario Maker was in comparison to this ROM hacking business. And so he started to make hacks and Grand Pool World 2 is a... <laughs> <clears throat> as I take a breath, Grand Pooh World 2 is a hack dedicated to Grand Pooh Bear, who, that's the video I clicked on, and it's this guy speedrunning through one of the hardest, like, Kaizo Mario hacks, and Kaizo meaning, like, rearranged Mario, or, like, that's that's the more Japanese version of it, but for here, it just means like, right. impossibly hard Mario game, right? And so, this guy, Mitch Flower Power, is running through the video, at, or running through the game on this video like crazy fast and it looks impossible it's just a spectacle to watch this and he's in front of a crowd and i i'm just like sucked into the energy of everything going on in that room because it's gdq and people are losing their shit at things yeah. that you don't fully understand had you watched gdq stuff before or was this kind of your entry to gdq as um, well so that's it's it's kind of funny you mentioned that my first introduction to gdq was uh the 2016 summer games done quick uh which was uh, after Mario Maker came out, and so they had a Mario Maker relay race, and I saw, oh, so yo, yeah, and I saw these levels that were just like insane, made in Mario Maker, and that made me get home and like reboot that game and download them and play them. Um, but yeah, so like seeing that at GDQ was crazy, and I, I just love that event. We'll talk about it more later, but like you'll see, you'll see somebody in that game do something so, you know, you don't know it's a big deal, but then people lose their shit, and you're like, oh, I guess that little skip was massive. I don't know, but, <laughs> and this, I'll, I'll cut it off right here. Um, because at the end of the stories, I've just been playing a ton of ROM hacks because this has <laughs> set me off. Um, 
But halfway through that video, the game breaks and like something bad happens. I was like, okay, maybe a capture card messed up and they keep resetting the game and they get to the same point. And the game breaks at the same exact moment each time. And this is when it really clicked to me that this is a freaking bonkers hobby. The guy says, can I get another Super Nintendo? And they take over an actual Super Nintendo <laughs> from 1990 or 1991, whenever the hell, and they plug it in and the cartridge works. And so like, I was like, they're playing this on original freaking hardware too. What is this ROM hacking thing? And so like, I've sure. just been like looking into the engineering around that and like making reproduction carts of these hacks. And it's just, it's just been a blast. I've been playing a lot of these Mario games. That's good. amazing. I think it's just like, awesome. as I, um, I don't, I don't think I'm getting like more away from, I, I follow Twitter stuff every day. I could, you know, tell you what happened this week in games every week, but I feel I'm, I don't play newer games as much. So I'm like finding these kookier ways to do that. And, uh, you know, there's still new hacks that came, they come out and this year, you know, like they're, they're new games yeah. technically. And I'm sure Mario Maker 2 just reinvigorated everyone again to say, oh, this it's a whole new audience. Here's some new ideas. Uh, there's just like more fervor for that kind of stuff. And then you have people building more things. And then and then events like GDQs, both AG, AGDQ and SGDQ, uh, I'm sure those are even more opportunities for people to say like, oh, well, maybe I need to make my own levels or play some levels. Yeah. And so uh, I'm, showing the, I'm showing the fellas here a, um, on the camera a Super NT. And it has a Super Nintendo mm -hmm. flash cart in it. And that Super NT is just like kind of this love letter to, um, I don't know, just a love letter to retro gaming, but the Super Nintendo in particular. I never had a SNES growing up, so this was kind of new to me in general. Poor yeah. Man. Is that the same thing? Uh, the same people are making the po analog pocket? Yep. yep. Very cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yep, that's so this company called yeah, Analog made, made like, uh, uh, they're based out of Seattle, of course, and uh, they made like a an NT mini, which was a, a Nintendo. I, I always tell people like, they're like, what, what the hell is this thing? Cause it's hard to explain. I say it's like a sure. super Nintendo. If they made it in, uh, you know, 2018, like it'd be 1080p. It'd be, it would play all your old carts, no emulation. It's just a super Nintendo with an HDMI out. And like that even comes with like, I'm playing this with an original SNES controller that I re, you know, I revived and everything like that with new rubbers and stuff. Sure. But, that's yeah, awesome, man. And they've they've made they've made a few of those. Like uh, they, you mentioned, the the NT Mini is the is the NES. They've made the Super Nintendo. I believe there's a Genesis as yes, well. Yes, the Mega SG. Right, and then the Pocket they've announced. I I think that's it. They haven't done any. And other their their hardware is so no. cool looking. Also, like it's just oh, yeah, yeah, like aluminum stuff or or jet black stuff. I think for the for the Genesis. Um, it's really good hardware design and and sounds like it's just super solid and and you pay for it like that's, yeah it's not cheap they're not they're not the cheapest system it's not like getting like a retron five or something but you're also getting something that's way higher quality than like a retron. yeah i mean and I, I guarantee like 10 out of the 10 things i would want to play would work on a retron as well it's just the the in the the nt and whatever those analog guys do it's just like you know it's boutique electronics like it's it's just like mm -hmm. for fun it's for funsies um but yeah, and uh, I didn't get started just with all this by my my ticket to entry wasn't like four hundred dollars of video game hardware. It was uh, a <laughs> Super Nintendo Classic that I had lying around that I like flashed these ROMs to, and I was playing that because it was like my lowest latency button input option. And now I have like real hardware. It's it's been a good time. 
That's great, man. Nice. Um, okay. Anything outside of Mario stuff? Uh, these days, uh, I, so I'm, I'm getting really excited for, I think it's next week, actually. Yeah, like less than a week away from uh, Kentucky yeah. Route Zero's fifth and final act to come out. And that game... The 28th, mm -hmm. yeah. I think? And yeah. Uh, that game is incredible. Uh, I'm, it's, you know, it's, it's, I don't really, it's a great speed running yeah. game, really. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, that'd be great. Um, <laughs> it's, um, I, I don't really like, I, I can't stand the, not, I don't know. can't stand is a strong word, but like, it takes a lot for me to get into a very story driven, like narrative experience type of game. It takes a lot. Um, Devotion last year really got me. That was like a, this band horror game that was first person, like three hours long, super mm -hmm. good. Um, but Kentucky Road Zero has this like this look and feel to it that is like so it's so real and you can like I don't know the 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 sound the the way they do everything in that game just sucks you in for like an hour and a half at a time and by the time an episode ends you are just like holy shit that was like it was like, it felt like meditating for a couple hours it's that game feels like meditation and I love it I love it so much and the fifth act is coming out and like I'm playing through acts one through four right now to get kind of reacquainted with the story. This will be my third playthrough of it. Um, and, you know, it takes about eight hours. Yeah, hey, I'd say like two hours per chapter at most. Um, have you either of you yeah. played it? it? No. I've played I've played chapter or act one and uh, I think also act two. And it's been like I played those when they came out. And then at some point, I guess I decided I'm probably just going to wait for the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, which is a stupid thing uh, to do because now I'm at a point where actually, you know what? It's kind of worked out because I've forgotten basically everything about Kentucky Route Zero except for the gas station, which is the very first thing you yeah. do in the very first yeah. act. Um, but but like you said, it's it's so good at giving a mood that I, I remember how I felt about Kentucky Route Zero. Mm -hmm. And that that has me so excited to play the TV edition. I'm going to play it on the switch. Uh, and I, I'm not sure exactly how it's structured. I, I don't, I wonder if you could just jump into the fifth act uh, straight away or have to replay all the other acts first. Yeah. So that was like, I considered like you like, Oh, maybe I should play acts one through four so I can just play five as soon as it comes out. But then I thought, well, what if, what if they don't let you do that? And I have to play the other acts before on the switch. I, maybe I should just, wait. I think you'd be better off waiting um because i and i i, didn't, I don't even think i picked this up on my first or second playthroughs that the game remembers your decisions like you build you build sentence structure oh, and like and I, that really clicked to me this time when i was like oh wait i actually picked the fucking dog's name like you can call that dog uh blue or homer or god, nothing you're right oh my god i forgot about and the so dog. like yeah. i'm like oh of course they keep that that decision i'm like oh wait then they must they must have a whole and they don't they don't show this at all, but they must have a whole like story web of possible decisions and talking. And I don't even I don't think you can like make a different decision to be like, oh, well, now you're in the ice zone, you know. But like, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I definitely think there are you know some of the sometimes in that game you are crafting a response to somebody with dialogue, and you're basically like writing these poems. It looks like every once in a while, and I guarantee those come back in some smart way, and like. I played it first in 2014 and then act like, and that's when I played acts one, two and three, like back to back to back act four came out in 2016. I played that the whole game through. 
I feel like I was a little bit smarter at the time too, maybe. <laughs> and so I was picking up on different things and I'm just so excited to like really catch everything this time. That's awesome. Yeah. I've got, I've got a tab loaded up, loaded up from uh, the website critical distance uh, that just has like a big collection of Kentucky route zero analysis articles. And as much as I want to read them, I, I just have it open and haven't, actually looked at it yet because I, I want to play the games first but i'm really excited to just dig into everything those games have to offer both from a gameplay perspective and also from a philosophy perspective mm-hmm. or, or the things that people pick up on the references and uh, i just i can't wait to to dive really deep into that into that game slash anthology yeah, yeah I've, I've got such a respect for that game i've never played it and um i have been waiting for Chase's recommendation to just, hey, it's going to be on the Switch, it's going to be on everything else. I'll, I'm going to get it for the Switch when it comes out. And I'm I'm so excited to just put some headphones on, disappear for a few hours at a time with that game, and and really soak it up. I think um, they, they say it best. Um, the mood you should be in, if, if this sentence doesn't put you at ease a little bit, you probably aren't in the mood to it. They say each act should take the amount of time as a summer evening. And you're like, if you hear that and you're like, yeah, man, like you're, that's that you're in the perfect mood <laughs> to play yeah. those games. Yeah. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else that you want to update that you've been playing? Uh, no, I, I, I keep up with the normal, like basically my socializing is I, my, my, my buddies on Counter-Strike, you know, we still play that damn game. Um, and then like, so that's just how we talk to people these days. And, uh, I played uh, quite a bit of Baba Is You over the Christmas so good. break, and it's—I mean, how did they? How do they do it? <laughs> yeah. How do they make that game? That's it's so good. ridiculous. Yeah, um, yeah. It's just another one that really makes your. I, I like a. I like a good thinker. I like a good puzzler mm-hmm. now and then, and that's definitely one of those. Absolutely. Um, yep. But that's Very me. Cool. Nice. Chase. Yeah. What new games have you been playing? I I don't think there were any games that I've been waiting years to play that just came out, so I I probably don't have much to to say in a, in this segment. I'm surprised you even wanted to record this week. <laughs> um. So yes, I it, the the Prodigal Son has returned. It's uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp Fe Encore. Um. I, I mean, if you've heard this podcast maybe at all in the years that we've done it, I've probably mentioned it maybe once a podcast or at least averaged once there's, a podcast. There's three games uh, that have never left rotation in discussion. <laughs> Tokyo, The Witcher 3, The Witcher, and Destiny. Uh, yeah, that's those are we're those we're are trash three. humans. Thank you for <laughs> tuning in. What a what a weird 3 for us. So I, um, I know the joke here is that you talk about this game all the time on the show. Uh-huh. Can you give yeah. me two sentences what the hell is this game? Uh, I'll give you two words: anime bullshit. Okay, that's that's the game. Um, I mean, it is so. So this game, the the easiest way is the way they sold it to us first, which was uh, Shin Megami Tensei Crossfire Emblem. It is an Atlas made game that takes the takes the stuff the the RPG mechanics that you know from games like Shin Megami Tensei or Persona, uh, and mixes it with uh, Fire Emblem style uh motifs there honestly there's not a ton of fire emblem stuff in here 
Um, it's it's kind of just like a light Persona game that has uh, some subtle and sometimes not so subtle Fire Emblem touches to it. Okay, like give me. I, I I'm having a hard time understanding. Like I I so I haven't played a Persona game, but I understand that there are these. Okay. You know, it's a big deal when one comes out, and it's this massive like big new experience yep. like this i'm looking at screenshots here this looks like you do turn-based battles or something like is this yeah. is this so a it, big deal turn- this game specifically is not a big deal okay. uh it it's came got out a for cult following though for sure <laughs> a cult of one <laughs> me <laughs> i'm the cult there's a dozen of you <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's, well, no, like half of us are pissed off because of bullshit censorship that, that they're just going to whine and cry about. So the, even the people who are hardcore into this game hate this game. Um, except for me, I love it with all my heart. Um, yes. So it is a turn-based RPG, um, that, that kind of has like the turn-based stuff comes in the form of dungeons. And then outside of the dungeons, you are in a more modern setting. You are in modern Tokyo, uh, specifically Shibuya. And you are, uh, in this game, uh, <laughs> working at a uh, at an entertainment media company where you where your best friend is becoming a Japanese pop idol. And she is also work and you also work with a very established Japanese pop idol. And you also work with a uh, young girl who has a cooking show, but because she's a young girl and isn't allowed to use the 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 harder implements of of kitchen utensils like knives and stoves and things, her cooking show revolves around using thing using the microwave to cook. Okay. <laughs> Um, there is also a guy who is in a Super Sentai slash Power Rangers style uh, play that turns into like a television show. There's also an actress who is half Japanese and half European, and she like acts in dramas, but also in music videos. And it's you know it's standard JRPG stuff. It's, you it's talk very to people outside anime. of this podcast about this game. Uh, so you go home for Thanksgiving, no. and your uncle—I don't know—I don't know your family. Nope, I I don't do these things. Like, um, what do you play in yes, Chase? You like those games? You're like you don't go. Man, it's so tough. Like there there are people at work. Uh, I I kind of started a, a new job, or at least a, have been working with some new people, and when they kind of learned I've, I'm, I'm the video game guy, then they'll say like, oh, cool. What are you, what are you playing on now? You got it. You got that PlayStation. I was like, yeah, I got that PlayStation. You know, I play destiny. And they're like, yeah, I've heard of that. Those are the, like the halo people. I'm like, yeah, cool. That's a, that's a game, you know? Um, and then they're like, well, what else do you play? I'm like, um, uh, you know, I've got a, I've got a Nintendo switch and like, oh, cool. Like, so breath of the wild. And like, um, I mean, I played that. Like, yeah. Two years yeah, ago, yeah. Loser. No. Yeah, get with the times. <laughs> yeah, it's very it's very hard to talk about this yeah. game and and keep people's attention because once you mention like, hey, there's a girl who microwaves and also she's in like a mech suit with a big axe, they're like, I don't I don't think I need to keep talking to you about this. I'm gonna anymore. I'm gonna go. Thank you. This has been a lot of fun for me. Yeah, kinda. Uh, but but basically, 
I, I know you're not f very familiar with Persona games, but I, I imagine a lot of for a lot of people that's the touchstone that's easiest to to cling on to, where you kind of have this social life outside of the dungeons, and then you go into these dungeons and and have this more traditional turn based combat. Yeah. Uh, and the cool thing I think about Tokyo Mirage Sessions is by adding in some of those Fire Emblem elements, it it takes that kind of rock paper scissors gameplay sure. of of Shin Megami Tensei that you know your your Zio is your uh, electric attack and that works on some um in this case mirages but demons or whatever you're just the enemies uh and then some of them are resistant to it some of them nullify it some of them reflect it back to you those are all kind of Shin Megami Tensei things and then Fire Emblem comes in and says well we have our own rock paper scissors style thing with our weapon triangle that swords beat axes axes beat lances lances beat swords and then we also have some magics and some some arrows that change things up too. So the designers kind of said, well, what if we just combined all of that and have this super tangled uh, rock, paper, scissors gameplay that's kind of reminiscent of Pokemon in a way where you, know, you, have, you have all these different attacks and fire beats water, but fire loses to ground, ground loses to all these other things. Um, so it's, a, it's similar to that. But it it's just got a real, a real anime style and to it. I know and, that, and the cool thing. Oh, go for it. No, I was gonna say like I know that we're gonna be diving into that a lot more when Johnny's back from assignment. Yeah, and we'll be talking through a lot more of those mechanics, just because jo this is Johnny and I's first time into that game, so it's all pretty new. Like the concepts that Chase is talking about, like that's pretty standard. Like we know what we're getting from those, but. The, to go into what this game is, I'm not even quite sure how to answer that question as far as much as I've played on it. It's super stylistic, and I think that it's it's got a lot of the, the heart that I enjoyed from Persona so far. Um, and I haven't really got the Fire Emblem stuff yet, but my biggest experience with that was Three Houses, so I know it's not going to be that. Yeah. So I'll admit, I'm I'm a real fanboy for this game specifically, and and Fire Emblem in general, and Persona uh, on the other side of it. But uh, this this playthrough, and I'm maybe ten hours in so far, uh, based on what the the in game clock tells me. And I, I I'll say that I I feel like I'm looking at it with a a little bit more of an objective eye this time, and seeing that yeah, like this game totally has flaws, and and I accept its flaws. That you know, it it makes you run out of the dungeons to to heal uh, really properly, or to it's got a really cool weapon system, but you have to go to a different uh, place to create these weapons to give you the skills to use in battle, and it really kind of makes the gameplay pretty stilted when you are out of weapons that you can upgrade. So you want to go back out of the dungeon and get more of the weapons and then bring those back into the dungeon. And that's just taking up a bunch of time. And why can't I just make craft the weapons right. in the dungeons and just keep going? Um, so it definitely has its flaws, but it's it, the charm of that game is still there. The, it's got a great style. The big thing. It, it's got a lot of style. The big thing in this is that there are a ton of music videos that kind of uh, pepper the game and, and really help to uh, emphasize the bigger moments of the of the story and each of those getting to each of those moments is is a real joy and watching those videos and and then those videos actually tie back into the combat and they kind of become summons that you can you can bring into the into the combat and it just gets really really silly and really fun and 
and flashy as hell. I, I love this game a lot, but like Bobby said, we'll we'll probably dive a little deeper into that the next time we talk. Uh, hey, when Johnny's you've back done it, Chase. He's been playing a good a good portion. Of you've that. gotten Johnny and I playing Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Yeah, I mean that's that's the whole reason I got on this podcast in the first place, and uh, and now I can stop. So this is this is my last podcast. Just want to <laughs> let you guys know. And thanks for having me. It's been on. a good run. Uh, uh, anything else besides Tokyo that you want to talk about? Uh, well, somewhat relatedly, I'm also playing Fire Emblem Sacred Stones. That's the the GBA one. Yeah, the last GBA one they made, and uh, and just kind of got back into that. I, I really like that game a lot. I, I still. I'm not the biggest fan of of the permadeath that you can't turn off in this one. I, I came in with Awakening. That's my real first Fire Emblem, so uh, so that kind of bugs me. But overall, this game is is relatively easy and has ways to grind and and make your character super powerful. So dying is not really something you have to worry about too much. Sure. And uh, and that game's just got a good a, a real nice style and a and a nice relatively simple story to it. Uh, especially compared to a game like Three Houses that has all these route differences and and all these different characters and can be a little overwhelming at times. It's it's nice to kind of go back to something that's relatively straightforward like uh, Sacred Stones. Still enjoying. Chase, that? I tell you awesome, what, man. Um, I played. I don't know if you know this. I I played nearly all of the game before this on GBA. Like I I loved that first Fire Emblem GBA game. Um, yeah. I I. Well, first, first for America. Yes, yeah. What was it? The seventh <laughs> or whatever. Yes, uh, Fire Emblem Seven, the Blazing Blade. Yeah. So that, uh, but it was just called Fire. I had a lot of fun with this game or that game, and this game came out, and I think it was like one of those. Okay, which game do I want for Christmas? This one or a different one? And I, I you know, zigged instead of zagged. And my cousin got this sure. one, and he liked it a ton. So I had to look it up because I was like, that it, one sounds familiar, and it's yeah, I'm definitely familiar with this. It it's a cool game. Uh, I I played seven for the first time two years ago. I think at this point, Bobby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I it was part of my strategy eighteen. Yeah, which is a fantastic line I came up with. Um and and yeah, so it, it was cool to to play seven. I I think I'm liking eight a little bit more, just in that it's a little bit more free form. You can go and do that grinding. You can really build your characters into into these absolute murder machines and and just. And I have fun stomping the computer. Pretty good. I, but Bobby, I, I, know, I know we've talked about this on the last couple podcasts, so you probably don't have much to say, but I'm still just so proud of you for really, really digging down deep into the depths of anime. I, <sighs> I got, I, so I didn't write anything down on this, and I think you know a little bit about it, but to spoil the listeners, uh, Chase is referring to my obsession with Nino Kuni. Uh, which I've been uh, just having such a fantastic time playing. Uh, so much so that, uh, like last week, Netflix put out an anime movie. Just for you. Just for me. Just for you. They're like, Bobby, we know you've been talking about Nino Kuni the last Here couple weeks, and we made this straight for you. So I started watching it, and uh, I was like, well, I could be watching it, so I can just be playing it. So I decided to play it instead of watch it. And uh, I have started it though, but they're different stories. Yeah. Right? So you've got Nino Kuni, which came out in 2013, and then you've got uh, Nino Kuni Two, which came out 2017, I believe. 18. 2018. Thank you. 18. And uh, now this uh, movie—it's not a game. This movie came out in 2020. Um, so I am playing the port to the Switch, as I've been talking about the last few weeks, and I—I I, I think that I'm probably 
a few hours away from beating that game. Uh, if I just go continue to go down the, the story path and not do too many more bounties or side quests. But the last like six to seven hours that I've put into that game, I probably would have been done by now. But I have, uh, like an idiot, gone so deep into this game's meta that I've been like looking at team building. So, Zach, are you familiar with Nino Kuni? I played Wrath of the White... White Wrath, the, I think the one you're playing, right? One. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Wrath of the. I White played White. that for a few hours and stopped, but yes, I am drippy. Got that nose. Yeah, That's man. Yeah. Drippy's my boy. Uh, so there is for each one of the characters that you control in that game, three familiars per character, and each one of these characters uh, has a core um, essence, so to speak, that goes through them. That it's not necessarily like the rock paper scissors. Uh, to that degree, but you're going to get more bang for your buck out of a certain type if it matches your your personality traits for your character. And so um, there are all kinds of team building guides online about like, you know, the meta and the best min-maxing that you can do for some of these characters. And the game uh, really opens up the ability to travel in all kinds of way, whether by, by air or by sea or by fast travel with magic. So it makes it a bit easier to get to some of these spots where there's more rare spawns. And I've actually found um, there's even a trick, not really a trick, but a method that a lot of people use. It's first a sidebar. It's so interesting to read these guides that people had put out back in 2013. And then like seeing people blow the dust off of them when this, the remaster came out sure. and like adding stuff into it. And like people are like, oh, it's so cool to see like this new like wave of fans coming in. So there's been a really cool thing like with the community getting back involved in like strategy talk. Um, it gets even weirder like the far further back you go oh yeah so for a game like like let's say like a final fantasy got got re-released or or when chrono trigger came to the the ds and you had people going back to old yeah game facts and and pouring through a lot of those things and and sometimes they changed a little bit of that <laughs> and it, the developers changed changed the game a little bit when they ported it over and and some of those things don't work anymore totally so I've been like trying to rummage through some of these older guides and figure out what's the best familiars per character. And then um, on top of that, there's level grinding for these and there's some really great uh, methods for that. There's a few elusive characters that are uh, not characters, but you know, enemy types that you can get called a Toko, T-O-K-O. And uh, there's different levels of this that appear in three different locations in the game. Uh, one is worth 2000 XP uh, another one is worth 8,000 and then there's a very rare one that is late game that's worth 24,000 per kill and so uh, to put that in perspective most of the bosses that I've fought in the game are going to get you anywhere from two to 3,000 XP and so if you find a spot where you can farm these uh, you're getting a lot of money of course but you're also getting some really great uh, XP and the way that these leveling systems work in this game is once you evolve or metamorph your familiar it goes back to level one and uh, it is much stronger but it's still a lower level for sure and then there's a third and final stage that you can uh, evolve and then each time you get to that point you can decide on one or an, there's two versions of that character's final form to pick and one might be higher attack stats but lesser uh options as far as abilities go or you could have like better abilities and like slightly lesser attack skills so i am so deep in the meta of nino kuni right now trying to figure out how to build the most effective team 
And uh, the way I'm doing it, each one of my characters has uh, an attack, a tank, and then uh, more or less like a magic uh, spellcaster or like a healer. And I've got my tactics set now to where I have just this incredibly powerful tank healer that is thrown out and I'm using my main character, Oliver, as my attacker. And it's it's just so fucking fun to be out there throwing these things around. And the way that, that you do the combat, you can tri- like basically bounce between all three of them and their familiars on each one and do some pretty nasty things. Like if I see an electric powered uh enemy out i might switch away and like get somebody that i know that's going to have a stronger chance of attacking that and just a lot of movement uh you're still picking up things like if you if i block an attack correctly with all three of my characters there's going to be a power up that gives you more of like an all-out attack and so each familiar and each character has a unique skill that you can go and grab this one giant golden orb that's floating around and when you get it that you can uh do these attacks so the boss battles have been pretty rewarding i didn't want to get too overpowered in my leveling up to where i would just breeze through the game so i'm at a point now there was a few hours where i was just mowing through things but i finally kind of got to the 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 point in the game where my skill level is on par with what should be uh at that that stage so it feels uh rewarding to to pull some things off this game is far more challenging than what the sequel was i know that that was a big complaint from it but the things i loved about pokemon are really shining out here like building a team like trying to evolve certain things and like teach certain move sets, going and buying equipment that like really, I got this one really powerful user that has terrible accuracy. And so some of the high power weapons in the game are going to continue to belittle his accuracy, but also like give you a better dice roll on some of those attack abilities. So that game is very dense and it's so much fun. Uh, the last thing I'll say, but it's probably going to be like one of my final updates before finishing it. It's just been like, I know it's coming. I don't want it to come. I want to keep playing this game. And like, there's been a few games that like, while I'm playing it, I don't know if you guys can relate to this or not. I think you kind of talked a little bit about it with uh, Death Stranding. Like, you know, it's special when you're in it and you know that there's something very unique about what you're doing and it has your full attention where like, you might not be thinking about other things while you're playing it. Like you're fully immersed into it. And I find myself every time I pick up my switch to play that game, just like going into that world and just being so thrilled to be there. It's, it's a very, 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 very good game. That's awesome. I'm, I'm really like, I, I know I've said, I'm I've kind of jokingly said, I'm really impressed that you're getting into anime, but I'm, I'm actually really excited for you that you're finding games in in this genre specifically this genre that i yeah that is definitely more my speed than than traditionally has been your speed um but you're like you're finding games that i haven't even played or have played like very very tiny bits of and uh and you're getting me excited to to try this game i, I did say that i downloaded it it was on sale on the eShop uh somewhat recently and i ended up picking it up and and hopefully sooner rather than later. I, I thought I was going to have a bit of a break after Tokyo Mirage Sessions once I finished that, but knowing that I also have uh, Kentucky Route Zero to play, right. like, maybe it has to get pushed back. Well, uh, I mean, like to put it in perspective, like we've been talking about Tokyo Mirage Sessions for a very long time, and that game unlocked, and I was like, all right, I can play this game, but I don't want to stop what I'm doing because I just want to experience it kind of all the way through and then maybe come back and do some sure. of the side stuff. 
I did. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to pull a Johnny and play like 16 games at a no, time and never finish. God, that's what his assignment there. is. Uh, honestly, man, like I fired up Tokyo Mirage and I was just like, I got to decide on glasses. Like that's the biggest thing I can do in this game. So I, I picked on what my character would look like. And I said, you know what? I think that's good for here. This is a good spot. You're going to wear glasses because, you know, I, I identify with that. And you, sh- you should always wear the glasses. And uh, that was it. I'm like, all right, this is Tokyo Mirage. I, I know exactly what this game's trying to do. It's making me make some dis- difficult decisions. How hard do you want to play this game? What difficulty? And by the way, should this character that you've never met before wear glasses? The two hardest questions in all of video games. And you know, the, the, here's what made it hard. They're like, oh yeah, you can adjust your, your difficulty later on. Can I take the glasses off? Do they have to stay on forever? You can. You, oh, no, you well can. It's it it's like right underneath the difficulty. It's it's not actually a permanent choice, but it really does feel like Yeah, this is hey, it. Hey, welcome to Tokyo Mirage Session Sharp FE Encore. Uh how how hard would you like your experience to be? Cool. Do you want her to wear glasses? <laughs> like what uh-huh. the fuck? What? What's like that's not a decision I'm like I should have to going make through right Twitter. Now. Somebody please tell me does a poor girl need glasses? Like I'm I'm lost. <laughs> I don't want to ask Chase I, I, like he's already so proud of me when it comes to anime. I definitely <laughs> don't want to lose my street cred when it comes to hey, should I make this weird anime girl wear glasses, Chase? And then he just leaves chat. Well, the 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 well, I mean, obviously you should have her wear glasses, but the, it is a new feature for the game. <laughs> Brand new feature. She can wear glasses now. It's ugh. yeah. So that's me. Like I'm. I also yeah. I'm bringing you the hottest takes on games that are, you know, a couple years old. But in case you didn't know, Nino Cooney still very good. Well, I know Zach and I are I just can't wait for SGDQ where you'll be running Nino Cooney. Like now that you know all the meta and all the strats, uh, so that'll be a real fun run to watch. Your I'm drippy sure. percent run. Yeah, my drippy yeah. percent. Ooh, very good. Yeah, any any percent drippy. <laughs> let's let's go for a sub two. Um, <laughs> but yeah, let's let's just transition that into what our kind of real topic for the night is. Having having Zach on, knowing uh, his uh, somewhat recent fascination with with <laughs> speed running, and then having AGDQ uh, also happen this month. I just felt like it it was all kind of aligning to to talk about these things. Um so Zach, first I, I guess I just want to get your overall thoughts on on GDQ as as a uh, as a person who is I mean, do you consider yourself a runner? Like do you consider yourself like part of the running community or do you feel like you're still kind of on the outside and and are just like happy to be around and see some of I mean, stuff? I I really don't. I I'm, I'm not uh, I don't consider myself a, a speed runner, but I, I have submitted a speed run to speedrun.com that is yet to be verified. I think that makes you a so, speed runner. Yeah, man. Think, You're in it. I think that's it. Good. <laughs> that's, it feels so good to hear. Uh, no, like um, you made it. No, I, I uh, it, it's it's a it's a recent obsession. I don't I wouldn't even call it an obsession. I just really like playing these Mario hacks, like I like I've been saying, but. Part of the kind of like, okay, I'm into these Mario hacks. I kind of want to see which new ones are out there. They're always presented as a form of like, okay, are we just playing this as a first playthrough, like blind, uh, just experiencing all the deaths and everything like that, trying to see like how to beat this level? Or is it more of a, uh, more of like a showcase of skill where I'm speed running this game now? Uh, I've played it a few, through a couple times and I now I want to show off to the community how fast I can beat it. And so it's always kind of phrased as that. And so when I played uh, a, a ROM hack called Quickie World, which I don't know if I got into it, like 
to do these ROM hacks, you go to this ancient ass looking website called smwcentral.net and you download these uh, .ips files that people make uh, using a program called Lunar Magic. And Lunar Magic is a, pro, a piece of software you load a, a Super Mario World ROM into, and you can it, it's like a level, it's Mario Maker for uh, Super Mario World. But then to uh, distribute this, because you can't share like the ROM, you can't share a reproduction of the ROM. You have to like export it as a patch, and then you upload that to your Super Mario World Central profile. People download this patch and apply that patch to an actual Super Mario World ROM. Um, and so that's how crazy I know. And they're still doing it and they're doing it more than ever right now. It's, it's such a weird community, but like, don't really know where I was going with that, but like that, that's kind of how these, these hacks, that's how you play these hacks is you patch the ROM with a, you know, custom bit of, uh, it's called a dot IPS file. I don't know. You do some IPS patching. Um, and so the first one that I, that I really, sunk my teeth into was well i i was an idiot and i was like i want to play grand pool world too i saw that on video and that game is so hard that game requires so <laughs> much skill um and so i probably put 20 hours into that game's first level because for whatever reason i have that broken part in me part of my brain where like yeah I'll, i can just do this over and over again and see if i am better this time my cousins stopped playing with me uh in left for dead 2 left for dead or left for dead 2 yeah whichever one because I would be like, no, guys, let's just do it again. And it would be like four hours on the same mission. And they're like, we hate we hate this. <laughs> we hate playing games with you now. Yeah. Yeah. I think Bobby's had that with me with some Destiny nightfalls and things. Of like, oh, I'm sure we can get it on this try. Like, Chase, it's been it's been like seven tries and we haven't gotten it. I, yeah. I just put a, a wrap a rubber band around my controller and set it down and let my guy just <laughs> run forward with Chase. Yeah, I'm here. Oh, that's why we're losing. Yes, right. I, I have that that uh, spot in my brain. Um, so I, I could I played through that first level. I was instantly like, okay, cool. What are the actual like beginner hacks? And that's where I started to play Quickie World, which is a hack made by a guy now named Valdio. It's known as like, hey, you're good at Mario, which I feel like I've always kind of been good at Mario. That's just been an undertone. Like I really like those 2D Mario games. Um, uh, I'm actually shit at regular Super Mario World, which is hilarious. Um, I'm so <laughs> bad at that game. Um, but Quickie World is presented as like the entry level Kaizo hack. Like this is your first, this is baby's first Kaizo. And um, there's actually a hack called Baby Kaizo World, which is technically baby's first Kaizo. But uh, that so, sounds like a Travis Scott album. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so I played through that on my extra live stream uh finished it a little bit later and then i just continued to kind of replay it as i was messing around with this hack hardware and eventually i got to the point where i'm like i think i can beat this under an hour and so i started streaming that and then i got to the point where i thought i can definitely beat this in under 30 minutes if i try and so yeah i downloaded this software called live split to establish like speedrun splits which are see you you are a speed which is runner. like, like no, you can't you can't deny yeah, it yeah it's it's that it's that very common thing where like okay i finished this level hit my space bar, see my split. Oh, I was actually five seconds faster that time. That's it. That's awesome. And so, yeah, that's, that's what I've been doing with, that's what I did with quickie one. And now I'm playing through quickie two really fast. And, uh, that's, that's pretty much my experience with speed running, except I was like in 10th place on a Mega Man nine level on the Wii in 2008, as far as speed time. And I definitely did fight for that. So you could say I've been doing this a while. <laughs> <laughs> so okay so when when you're watching 
uh, one of these GDQs? Are you in it solely for the Mario stuff that's that's super relevant to you, or are you watching other runs as well? Like, what what do you get out of a GDQ? Uh, every year since that first Mario Maker relay race I was talking about, um, I check and see every GDQ if they've done something cool with Mario Maker. Like, I want to see those because you can you can download them and play them and like test your skill. Right. So I always check that. And then I, I think I just kind of get the uh, the headline speedruns like, you know, oh, you know, blindfolded run this. Or can you believe that Taskbot was writing something in uh, Brain Age? You know, stuff like that. Um, but, you know, this year I definitely did go into the AGDQ thinking like, oh, hell yeah, this is going to be my jam. And so, I, you know, whenever I would get home from work, I would just kind of turn it on and like see what people are doing. And you just get to see the spectacle that is... Uh, games done quick attendance <laughs> in the crowd. Yeah, and it keeps growing. Yeah. I was talking about how how they're 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 weird, but like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just the weirdness also. Yeah, it, I I showed my wife and I was like, "Honey, look, that's what I see at PAX." Um, um, <laughs> but no, maybe with fewer people saying yeah, Hulk yeah, yeah. at PAX, yeah, but they could cut that out. But yeah, no, the spectacle it's becoming so big. It's I I want to go to one so bad. Um, I'm. I'm constantly floored that that event runs for like seven days, 24 hours a day. How yeah. do they, I don't know how they organize that or it's do that. Wild. It's, it's incredible. I, it's not too far from you, right? Isn't it in, it was in, I, I think they switch, uh, no. locations each time. This was in Orlando. Yeah. Um, okay. I think they've done a few in Vegas, which wouldn't be that big of a trip, but yeah. Um, it's a fun event. It's just something completely different. It has that competitive edge. Uh, it like that makes like sporting events fun to watch and everything like that. Um, it, and it's just a you know it's, the people aren't there to speed run. I mean they're speed running, but they're it's an exhibition. Like you're just saying it's right. it, it has how many events do you have that you can watch where it's just somebody going like hey I'm really good at this. Watch me do this. It's you don't have something. Yeah, that I mean phrase. it's like. It's like the NBA dunk yeah, contest. Yeah. It's uh, basically it's that, like, or it's like we're good at these things, but it's not like we're all here to have fun. Like that's that's what I love about speedrunning, and maybe it's more just the the GDQ mentality than it is a speedrunning mentality. But it feels so much more like a, a family, and that everyone is actually uh, everyone's building upon each other and helping each other out. Like you you see a runner up there, but they always have the couch of people behind them that are one there to like in a more practical purpose there to tell you about what's happening. So the runner can actually do the cool stuff and the audience can get a better idea of what's going on. Right. Uh, but two, like those people are there because they are supporting the player and they're able to, to uh, talk about how, yeah, we took tech that we learned from this guy, he put it up on a forum and we were able to shave off a quarter of a second. And then this other guy had this one trick and it saves two frames. And and so we also implement that. And and it just seems like you're continue to build on the shoulders of, of giants with yeah. that. And it's so cool, especially when compared to something like the fighting game community, which which just seems to be knives out all the fucking time. And, and that leads to uh, at least more of a perception of the the toxic behavior that you hear with the fighting game community that I don't hear as much with the speedrunning. I, I mean, there's been stories of some speedrunner going like, "I'm the best, fuck that other guy." Sure, but it, it seems it seems way uh, more of like an anomaly than the norm. 
and that's so cool. Using like a like traditional sports analogy here, it does feel a lot more like the Olympics than it does like a sporting event and in its tradition. Like I think that you have a collection of some of the best at their craft. And yes, they are competing against each other, but there is like a ton of mutual respect that you see in that community and you see uh, people who are learning from one another and supporting each other. Like the Olympics always feel good, right? It's it's just a lot more heartfelt, I think, than other sporting things that you're seeing. And that, not that I follow all that as much as I probably should or could, but I think that what I've seen here, there is that thread of camaraderie that goes through it. And that's been really, really impressive to see. Yeah. Um, I, I just love the, uh, like with that, you have just, you have, you have so many interesting things going on during that event. Like, um, a few, a few months ago, a streamer I mentioned earlier, Mitch flower power, he plays a lot of Mario three. He actually has the Mario three world record right now. And he just got it back because in 2019, he found a new trick that you can do in that game. And it's just, that's, that's so much fun. And all of a sudden, like, you get to see that trick on display uh, in a four-person race of Super Mario Brothers three, and like, you know, that, that's that's fun for a lot of people. And like, hey, I know Mario three because it's Mario three, but what the hell are they doing? Or I know that trick that they're doing. This is crazy. Uh, you know, you just get a lot of really good moments. And the the people that were in that four by four race that I'm referencing at the end of it, they all stood up and shook hands, like gave hugs. They were just talking. They were trying to get the players' attention to like interview them, but they were just too busy having a good time on stage. Yeah, you have a really mm-hmm. a really positive attitude around the whole thing, which is incredible. And I mean, there was the charity so aspect helps that too. So yeah. So let's start with the two. Uh, I think there's two, at least two that we're we've got on our list, short list of things to talk about here. Uh, the two things from AGDQ this year that uh, that I think you're probably the most interested in. One of them is the Super Mario Maker Two Blind Relay Race. Um, like like you referenced before, that's kind of what you what got you into this. It's always been my favorite part of GDQs. Uh, it, it sadly has not been a part of everyone since Mario Maker came out. Like I think they took a year off at one mm-hmm. point because maybe the Mario Maker community was was slowing down. But it is hands down the absolute best part of GDQ for me is to watch these eight people, eight incredible Mario players come in, play a bunch of Mario levels, and, and have no idea what's what's coming to them, and they have to just figure it out as they play and also play musical chairs so other people can jump in and try it. It's, it's absolutely incredible. So Zach, why don't, can you take us through a little bit more about this year's uh, relay race and, and kind of what happened? Cause it was a really exciting one. Yeah. Um, I, I don't remember a ton of specifics, but I, I just kind of want to reiterate that, that craziness of having to like, there's, it's a shame that it's so, niche that you can't really like make a sport out of it you know like you there's so many moving parts like you have to have eight people in a room because they've done this enough to make it like look like oh this is actually a real thing that they practice doing like i've heard that those runners get there and they they get you know they, they put four chairs in a in a block and they like practice with their rotates and stuff like that and you're like what a weird thing i wish this was like way more uh way more structured but um yeah i mean the run had a lot of different um, I don't know a, a lot of different um, Mario. I, I, Mario Maker Two has that 3D Mario World uh, skin mm-hmm. that I just don't like at all, and yeah. so it had it had some of I that. And it's just 
it doesn't feel right to me. So that's, that's a problem, but the teams were pretty fun. I, I knew uh, most of the people on the benches. So it was fun, like watching them, uh, like their strengths and weaknesses. It, it, it was just like, Oh yeah, that, that guy's really good. He's probably going to do this really well. It, it was just, just like watching, um, a sporting event where there was there anything like specific that jumped out to you what what stands out to me sorry what stands out to me when i see levels like this um it highlights like you know the, the really unique aspect of mario maker which is like hey we're gonna take this tile set and these skins from forever ago and like kind of just style on it and like have have a good time with it um but it also that brings the problem where i there's Mario maker is so much noise. There's so much going on that I have a hard time following yeah. what's going on, which makes this even more impressive that somebody can like look at a level and just blind play it um, with physics that are technically completely foreign to me now. Cause I've been spending all my time in like <laughs> vanilla Mario world, but it, right. it's just, it's so impressive, but uh, and unlike a lot of the other runs, like this one is commentated by by two people. Uh, it feels more like a fighting game. Yeah. Um, it feels more like Evo because you have two people who are actively talking about this instead of like a more comfortable couch that's kind of saying, like, oh, yeah, if you see here, here's how he's going to glitch in through this wall. And like that, that's not what this is. This is a comp. This is the most competition that that GDQ gets, and it's just it's it's exciting and and really really yeah. cool. Bobby, what were you gonna say? Uh, I was gonna say so. I I watched more this year in preparation for this podcast tonight, but also just out of like enjoyment on what was going on, and I, I I'm sure that we'll talk more about it. But the one that like I I watched it on my lunch break at work. I watched the Mike Tyson. Uh, blindfold and yeah uh i came back up to my my office with my colleagues who don't give two shits about this stuff and pulled up youtube i'm like you have to watch this like this is just absolutely insane to me and i remember uh when i was a young kid there was a movie that came out called the wizard that had uh fred savage in it the wizard and that's where i learned about warp whistles and like watching him play that game and learning how to do something in a game like legitimately, that's 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 how what I did there. And like, not that I'm gonna go do anything like this, but I was like immediately taken back to that feeling of like, holy shit, you're watching something that like you had no idea was possible, and yeah. like just that feeling and sensation, especially like I talk about video games every day in multiple conversations. I've been on multiple video game podcasts talking about this shit. It's like my main hobby. And to be at this point in my life and to be able to talk about something new in a game that I've been playing for decades is absolutely remarkable to me. And like my my level of respect and excitement are through the roof on watching stuff like that. Yeah, your your uh, comparison to the Olympics is is actually really apt here. And, and even something comes to mind like the X Games when that mm-hmm. was when that was a bigger deal. But it would be, you know, here's a year where somebody goes, you know, they've done 540s, but nobody's ever pulled off a 900. And then Tony Hawk just does it. And and like, oh, my God, that's incredible. Like, like nobody's ever going to do anything better than that ever again. And then the next year, somebody just comes out and he's like, oh, yeah, I can just casually do 900s now because that's how the level of play has moved in a single year. And now you have people who are like, well, I can do a 1080. Right. Jesus Christ. Like, how is that? How is this even possible? Um, Um, And I feel like AGDQ is the same way. It was just last year where somebody showed off a blindfolded Mike Tyson run just by themselves. And now one year later, 
we have two people playing on one controller. One is taking over the the buttons, and one's taking over the D pad. Uh, and I don't, I have no idea who does start and select. <laughs> um, but uh, they're both blindfolded, and like how you just keep escalating this at this point, and it's insane that just last year it seemed like the impossible was doing this blindfolded, and now it's no big deal to have two people. Well, I mean, it's a huge deal, but it's it's possible for now this extra added layer of difficulty, like next time they're going to both be on treadmills and like as they do this, right. and, like have to get their heart rate up. Like what more crazy physical shit can you put on these on these runners to pull off these incredible feats of a game that people thought to begin with was pretty hard by itself. And now they're doing mm-hmm. it blindfolded with half a controller each. Yeah. Um, and to, to further answer your question more on the, the relay race, um, I, I completely yeah. forgot about this and I'm sorry I, I didn't have it ready. Uh, Mario Maker 2 patched in the Zelda stuff and they had Zelda components of that yes. relay race. And I was not expecting that going into this just cause I was, you know, I was used to seeing the ones from previous years. Um, that co-op Zelda level where you had to like work with somebody is I I basically stood up and I was like I need to call like my cousin also plays Mario <laughs> and like he loves Zelda I'm like we have to play this shit like I don't know how we can do that with Nintendo's bonkers online but like we have to like try and play this co-op Zelda thing it looks so cool it's it, it was incredible like the the zelda stuff i i haven't played mario maker 2 kind of since it came out so i haven't gone back and played any of the zelda yeah. stuff but watching the the level of innovation that that runners have been able to do with that has been just just incredible um so to, to kind of back it up a little bit we we talked about how the the relay race is like it's it's 4v4 and you play a, a series of not random levels because they're they're pre-planned, but the the runners just don't see them. They're going in for the first time, um, and the way they set it up is uh, I can't, I forgot how many levels they actually play, but it's so it's an odd I think it's an odd number. Yeah, it's definitely an odd number. And whoever has the advantage, whichever team wins, uh, I wins these different levels uh, gets like an American gladiator style head start for the last final level. And uh, the, the cool thing in this one is that I I think they do seven and then there's an eighth level to be the final and one team won three, the other team won three and there was a tie. So literally going into the last level, it was tied and they just got to go. uh, They both started at the exact same time. Whereas in previous times it's well though this this team has to wait 10 seconds 20 seconds whatever before they can go and it it does i mean they earned it but it does provide that unfair advantage where it's well you know this team's probably going to win and it, with this race specifically this year it was it, i mean they're they're neck and neck like the, these teams are so evenly matched yeah, and sure. it's it's just absolutely incredible it was a really really exciting race with a lot of cool tech and level stuff that that people made, especially that Zelda stuff that you mentioned, Zach. Like having not just the Zelda stuff, but the co-op with the Zelda where you have to both be shooting arrows at diagonals and have them fall into the right on-off switches to turn, to like destroy uh, a big cannonball that's coming down that will actually break something to kill you and lock you out of finishing the level and you have to do these things very precisely and oh you also have to be doing it in tandem with a partner just 
the the feats that they do is is amazing and and i think what i really like about mario maker and this race is i i guess when i'm watching gdq runs and and i watch most of them after the fact i don't really watch live too often which is kind of a bummer because i'd love to love to uh donate and have something read on on air while it's going on but at the same time I just don't have the time to dedicate to making sure the schedule sure. is up to uh, is up to time and and catching a full run because the games I want to watch are usually like at 3 a.m. or something. Um, but I the runs I prefer when I watch GDQs are the ones where it's <sighs> I need to say this delicately because it's not it's not saying that glitches are not skillful because it you have to be very skillful to pull off a lot of these glitches but there's something about watching the game be played in the way that it's intended to be played but also just at its highest level yeah. and i think that's what you get out of these mario maker runs is they're not glitching through shit they're they're not doing like they're doing crazy tech but it's crazy tech that was intended by the person who designed the level and they're just showing off the most skillful Mario play that you can while also playing these levels blind. And, and it, it's just a, it's a really great exhibition of skill uh, rather than watching somebody bash their head into the same block 20 times to hopefully get that uh, wall skip in you know Mario 3 right. or something, which is, is also incredibly mm-hmm. hard when when you have this couch saying like, yeah, like they have two frame. There's there's two frames where they can make this happen or that it needs to be a pixel perfect or a sub pixel perfect jump uh, for for something like Mario one uh, to be able to to lock into these walls and skip through things like that's that's awesome. It's amazing that people can do that. But I also kind of just love watching people play through a level super skillfully. I think that's why I like Mega Man runs a lot because yeah. there's there's very rarely something for people to actually glitch and jump through. It's it's more just playing the game at the highest level you can possibly play. Yeah, these Mario ROM hacks. Um, I, I think I think I gravitate towards those runs so much because it's very rare that you see like oh, well, the, the designer didn't really intend for this, so this is actually a way for me to skip a lot of, uh, a lot of progress. Mm-hmm. But no, it's, it really is just like you have to be... It's not really... Sp- I mean, you are speedrunning because you have to be really good, but it's not in that traditional like glitchy, like, yeah, like you said, like I'm in the Deku tree and surprise. <laughs> like in, It's not, it's not yeah. presented in that form. It's just like, holy shit. Um, that, I understand that more. That's that's my problem with a lot of the the other run the glitchy runs. More glitchy runs is I just don't I just can't really follow. Like you have on here, um, I watched a little bit of uh, the Fallout anthology. That was just, yeah, yeah, I watched that. That last was night. um um I I just, that was one of those that was on after work. I just turned it on, left it on, and I was just seeing like walking in and out of the room, taking care of the boy, and eating dinner and stuff. I'm like, I have no idea. Like the guy would fall through the floor, and then be somewhere else like you could see it was that terrifying moment where you fall through the floor in a 3d game and you just fall you're just falling right. and all of a sudden he's like approaching a room and it was like the end of the game i think this was fallout 4 i didn't recognize anything but like yeah it was fallout 4 like it's it's a two-hour run because he does he does fallout 1 fallout 2 fallout 3 fallout new vegas and fallout 4 so he's playing all through all five of those games and it takes him two hours 
but the first hour is spent on the first four games and then the last hour is spent just on fallout 4 because it's a much it's it's i'm not gonna say it's harder to break because it actually seems way easier to break but it still ends up taking more time to to finish that game than the other four but but you're right like it, it just got to points where uh this guy was talking about save glitching where he's able to load up a save from something else because it just skips some time and and to me it's like well wait a minute that's that's kind of the antithesis to what speedrunning is right like you should have to run there or sure. like use your glitchy way of going faster to get there but you're just kind of pulling up a load from something else but the the reason i put that run down to to talk about is is more that that one was just fun it was fun to watch the 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 runner himself tomato angus um the g is silent he says um the <laughs> the that run was so much fun because he had a couch of people who were able to talk about the game in a in a fun way but more he brought props <laughs> like the the fallout 4 portion of the run like the the first four games all go by pretty quickly so so it was just watching pretty skillful play at those games but when he got to fallout 4 he was talking about this glitch where you're able to go through a door, and I do not know all the specifics, even though I just heard it last night, but he goes through a door at a very specific moment, and he's able to both be not wearing the armor that gives you uh, move, extra movement speed and extra endurance, but then also not be wearing that armor, so then he can re-equip that armor, and then he gets those bonuses again, and then he does this six different times, and it's a pair of pants. It's a very specific pair of pants and I think also shoes. But every time he did this glitch, he just brought out another pair of sweatpants and he and he had one of the guys on the couch put on another pair of sweatpants so to visually represent what he's doing. But it was also just stupid and fun. And like he puts on these zebra Zumba pants and then he puts on this uh this black pair of sweatpants and now he's putting on a different pair and it gets to the point where like his his legs are visibly thicker because yeah. <laughs> he's so, wearing so many goddamn pairs of pants. I I uh, was I wanted to ask Zach a question if I could on yeah, please the the mindset here. So you're probably the closest person I'm ever going to get to talk to that's like remotely connected to this stuff and like knowing that you're doing speed runs. Like the one thing I was watching and like I talked to you a little about this chase offline was just like at what point in time like do you think well, I could try doing this to get to that, like that sense of discovery and like breaking something. But like the real question here is, is like at what point in time do you feel like you've been successful and like being able to like pause and just like be excited that you did something that hasn't been done before that you've achieved before thinking that I can do that better. Yeah. And I'm, um, I'm just really curious about that mindset that you get into with this. Yeah. So I'm, I'm still pretty new to this. Like, Quickie World, I I have a 27 minutes. I can beat that game in 27 minutes. Um, like my the, some of my best segments in that game is like 17 minutes. There's just one level that is a pain in the ass, and I hate it. Um, but so it's really just down to whether or not I can do that level. Great. Um, so but I I'm still so new to this that like for me just being able to beat these hard Mario games is fun enough. And like you know I I be, I. I like that there is that speedrunning element to it because I I guarantee I would just beat I would have beaten Quickie World one and got one and thought like oh okay cool I did it and gone on to the next game but it was in replaying it multiple times that I got to like feel that improvement and like okay cool I'm I 
and seeing the splits, just that, that feeling of improvement was really fun. Um, and so like there is, so I, I can beat that game in 27 minutes. The world record is, uh, 11 minutes, 59 seconds. Um, Holy cow. and it's a, it's a perfect run. Like it, it would be near impossible to beat that run. Like maybe you hit the run button a little bit sooner at one point, you know, it's, it's to that point basically in those top few second segments. Um, but there's a there's a skip in there, and I, I assume the whole community is just people watching each other's clips and seeing what they can learn from each other. There's no like, no no cheating or no copy copycatting type mentality. Um, so I, I watched the I watched the world record guy, and he does a few crazy things that I don't think I could really pull off. But there was one thing where there's a part there's a level where you're jumping with a Yoshi and you have to ditch the Yoshi, which is a common theme in a lot of these games, but you ditch that Yoshi onto a razor wire and the Yoshi continues to move. And you basically have to like kind of keep pace with that Yoshi. Cause you need to hop on him later to then throw him in the garbage. But like, you need to like, like keep up pace with that Yoshi. Well, this guy, he doesn't ditch that Yoshi. He just jumps in a certain way at a certain, like really accurate point where he can continue riding, riding the Yoshi land on a corner of a block eat a blue shell that's just kind of hanging out and he can just take that Yoshi and like fly to the exit. And I, I sure. like if I were to go back to quickie one, I'd be like, I, I got to try that. Cause that would shave off like a minute or two of me, like dying to the future segments of this level. Um, so it's fun to see stuff like that. Like, and, and just, you know, the two games that I've played, I've seen a few techniques that I'm like, I bet I could learn that quickie one, a little bit easier to break than quickie two. Um, I actually watched the quickie two world record and that guy just, pretty much I actually don't think there's any like glitches or unintended skips that he did. He just played it without dying. And that's currently my goal. That's when I feel like I improve, it's like, Oh cool. That was a one shot. Like I, I played that level, I think as fast as I humanly can because I didn't die. Um, and that, that's the, that's the improvement. That's pretty good. Like I, I'm just getting better at playing this style of game. Um, I, and I like that it's, it's that it's this style of game. Like once I get to a certain point in my runs with quickie two, whenever I decide like, okay, that's a, that's a good time. Um, actually to, yeah, to go back and answer your question with that, um, with quickie one, I saw the times I saw that like, okay, the world record is 12 minutes. No way. <laughs> the, sure. That's, that's just a no. Like, so what, what's a good, what's a good thing. So I, I scrolled to the bottom of this page. Um, and it's just on speedrun.com and, the uh, um, the, you know, the, their very bottom time is one hour and 45 minutes. And I thought, well, I'm, I'm, I'm better than that. And so I kind of just like look at the numbers. I'm like, what seems reasonable? And for quickie one, it was like sub 30. I, I think if I really push myself, I can get sub 30, even with that pain in the ass level. And also that puts me in 69th place, which is hilarious. So like, yeah, that's good. I think, I think I would probably try to get 69th place in every ROM hack I play, but, um, sure, there aren't that many not? submissions. <laughs> Um, for, for quickie two, like I had, and this is what's crazy. This is what's really fun for me. Last night I was playing quickie two and I thought, okay, uh, the last time I played this game, I beat it in an hour and 27 minutes. I think a good goal, just like doing the, the, the dumb math in my head. I was like, I bet I could get that down to 45 just on the numbers, you know, just thinking about thinking about like, okay, what's a realistic improvement. And I just did that last night, just like a random, random run. I was like, bloop. 45 minutes there was 44 minutes in <laughs> no. 54 seconds and i thought like okay time to reevaluate that goal because i'm still not done playing that game because it's really fun 
And so like, I need to find, it's really just like picking a spot where I want to see my name on the leaderboard. Uh, do you? Yeah. Like that's, that's kind of where I was wondering with my questioning is like, what are, what are your goals for these things? Because it sounds like you're not, you're not looking to be number one in these games. And, and for some of these things, maybe, maybe for more of like the ROM hack stuff, there's fewer people in there, but I imagine the number of runs submitted for a game like super Mario world would be astronomically high. And like, what is there? I, I know you, you got into it because of super Mario maker, but is there a reason that you've stuck with super Mario world as kind of your running franchise of choice? Like, do you ever consider going and saying like, oh, well, let me try what Super Mario Bros. 3 does, or let me try what Sonic does if I want to try a different platformer, or like trying trying something else? What is it? <laughs> oh, God, you're scrunching your face at Sonic. Yeah. Um, but like, what is it about Mario that that has kept you going, and, and kind of where do you set your goals uh, I, I, it sounds like you're more kind of competing with yourself and just trying to be the best you can be instead of the best ever. Yeah. I mean, I, I do it largely for an excuse to like, it's, it's a new way to make some, uh, some hashtag content, you know, <laughs> like it's just, it's fun to, to stream these games. It's, it's that, that's, I think the main driver for the super Mario world stuff is like, there's a bevy. I, I it's, uh, uh, quoting out of my ass it's probably one of the most like popular rom hacking scenes out there with a, a game of sure. that ilk and like i uh I, I mentioned before i really don't enjoy playing regular mario world much at all i just kind of i there are some problems with that game that i have now because i've played uh what i view as like superior games with that same moveset um mario world is way too vertical for me you can do way too much in a level it doesn't push you along it's and you know that's not a fault of the game but it's mm-hmm. it's really frustrating for me to play and so these rom hacks um cuz cuz nintendo didn't expect you to play it in those right. ways when they made those levels it's just that you can play it in those mm-hmm. ways and and really break it wide open yeah. like that um like these rom hacks are they're the ones i'm i'm really playing are hard as hell and i really like a uh, difficult platformer uh, like Celeste was a big deal for me a while ago. Like that was a, that was a platformer that came out. That was such like, a good game. Yeah. And it was like kind of uh, unflinching in its difficulty in some areas. And I, you know, that I was like, wow, good on you game for doing that. Like N plus was one of my more uh, influential games sure. on like the 360 when that came out. Um, I had to get every trophy in that. Like there's, there are some aspects of like certain games are, are I'm drawn to certain games because of their difficulty and uh, the Kaizo games are no different. But um, as far as like looking out to other games, like I really want to, um, I really want to get good at Mario three would be kind of fun, but I tell you what, like I'm so used to the Mario world run like move set and how that, that <laughs> controls sure. Mario three looks like, like it, it looks so messy in comparison to Mario world. And I've never had that opinion. Like I, I was a Mario three guy like forever, but playing these Kaizo games has af- absolutely like ruined my, uh, taste for Mario three, but like kind of in the platforming vein, like I had a brief thought of, uh, like, Oh, Mega Man nine. I really love Mega Man nine quite a bit. I, 
that was my first game to get, like give me a blister and a callus on my thumb because I was playing it so much. <laughs> and that Wii that Wii D pad was so tiny. Um, really just yeah. stabbed in there. But like Mega Man is a franchise that I I like, and it's also difficult, and it'd be fun to learn some like skips and tricks and stuff like that. But yeah, I, right now I I have like I don't know fifteen different hacks I want to try out, and like if I have this routine of like oh play through a hack uh and then want then like try to speed run it looking at the leaderboard uh it, it'll be a while before i get through a lot of them so right now i'm definitely i set on uh i set on mario world hacks um yeah i mean you're not you're not hurting for content for yeah sure. there's a ton uh, out there but bobby let me turn the question to you uh i know we've we've kind of thrown this around a little bit but if if you were to speed run a game like hypothetically you're going to AGDQ. You can speed run whichever game you want, and for whatever reasons you want. What what's uh, what's a game and why that you that you might feel like you would want or could speed run if you put your mind to it? Yeah, I think for me, um, you, you know, I, I I'm trying to rack my brain on like what the game would be. The reasoning behind it, like why I would pick X game to be the game, is. I'd want it to be a game that I have a, a passion for because I think that you have to really enjoy what you're playing to to want to learn how this game works in its most broken or fundamental state. Like I think that you need to have a passion for like how that game operates and plays as its own standing game. Uh, that's just my personal feeling on it. Now I do think that I'd also want to be able to like peek behind the curtains on something and like oh that's how this is really really happening. Like that's very clever. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I think that uh, I've seen some really crazy shit with Zelda over the years. And I've seen people do some pretty remarkable stuff. Like, when I think about some of the clips I see on Reddit of people doing just the absolute most bonkers shit. Like, I, I go back to this fight that I saw from Breath of the Wild. And this guy had, uh, I think, three or four of the boomerangs in that game and those boomerangs mechanically function very differently than any other boomerang in a zelda game and the way that he was uh pairing attacks because he was fighting a lionel um he ended up taking three to four of these boomerangs and creating like this fire tornado around this creature but was also juggling like blocking these attacks but going through the menu systems at a pace and a speed to kind of glitch into other weapons that would allow him to throw these, but also be parrying, like, because he had to pull his shield up, but then hold back, and you have to actually, like, throw the weapon rather than, like, hitting a button and have it come back to you. And watching him navigate, or them, I don't know if it's him, I, I shouldn't assume, uh, go through those things where they were breaking through the menus of that game to do it, that's the type of stuff for me, like, I don't know if that really qualifies for what we're looking at with, with this, but... When I see those clips, like the be the bewilderment that comes from, like, how did somebody even con like concoct the idea to do this? And like, what was like yeah. the curiosity? Like, well, if I throw all three of these, like, could I make a tornado? Like, at what point in time? And like, that was like the follow up thing I had for Zach earlier was just like, do you think that these improvements are through deductions deductions of like accidents that happen? Like, oh shit, I didn't know that this game could do that, or like I missed that jump, but I got caught up on that that razor wire that Yoshi's now on. Or is it like people who are so familiar with the core material in its most vanilla state that it knows that you can do these things and maybe like rip the seams a bit? Like I imagine like once you're behind the curtain and you see like it's literally held up by like shambles, 
like you can see like, oh, if I pull it here, like this thread will then open up a lot more possibilities. So I think for me, like I'm, I'm looking at this from the most vanilla top-down view of how the game was presented to you as a consumer and not from the person that's like inside the matrix, so to speak, looking at the outside. Right. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Like, I, I, if I were to speedrun a game, I wouldn't want it to be something glitchy, like like kind of we talked about before. I wanted, I would want it to be something that's um, relatively skill based. But I, I, knowing me, I'm I'm not going to be the best. Like, I, I I know that I probably do not have the skills on my own to be able to pull something off like that. So I, I kind of want a game that at least has a little bit of RNG in there somewhere, just so sure. I have. Uh, a puncher's chance of like accidentally getting the world to align and and have have a good run um but I, and i think like my other criteria is i'd want something i have two other criteria i'd want something short i don't want to play i don't want to like play bat and kaidos for nine hours or whatever to to <laughs> i think i think there was a gdq run of that or or some run where somebody was playing it for like literal days yeah. Like I, that's not me. I, I don't even want to do something that would take an hour. I want something that's like 15 minutes and just like, hopefully you get the good run uh, of something like that. And the other one is that I like, <laughs> sorry, Zach, I don't want something uh, too popular. Mm-hmm. Like, like Mario world, everybody's doing that. And yeah. and I know you're more into the, the Kaizo stuff and you're not playing vanilla Mario world, but like Mario stuff, I I don't want to touch with a ten foot pole because it seems like everyone's out there doing that, and the competition is is so high that I feel like I'm I'm never going to break into where I would want to be. Like knowing knowing the competitive nature that I have, like I I just don't feel like I would be satisfied with. Well, I mean I'd be pretty satisfied with 69th place, but um, but, a good place to be. Uh, I. I know that I would always want to be like, I would, I would always want to be number one. And the idea that if I'm playing a game like Mario, there's so many people out there and I probably will never make it there. I, I, I don't know why this one comes into my head because I never really actually played this game uh, when it was out, <laughs> but uh, marble madness for whatever reason, like comes to my mind of like, I just want to be really good at marble madness. Yeah. Sure. I watched a guy play it on a GDQ a couple of years ago, but it's not it's not one that I see played a lot. I don't think that game has any real RNG to it. I think it's all just kind of skill based. But for some reason, that's the first one that comes to mind of like, yeah, I could probably like become a marble madness runner. That'd be a thing well, I could. And do, I think right? I think the mindset for me recently, um, I don't know. We've all seen the King of Kong here, maybe. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Great. Sure. Great in phenomenal movie um but like mm-hmm. when i got to my my job uh out here in colorado they had like a just a mame cabinet just a mame cabinet in in the break room and i would step over there and play the uh, donkey kong uh because i was like i you know i try to get i try to get good at donkey kong whenever that that documentary came out that that game is really hard but i would just continue to return to this machine uh over lunches and stuff and I was learning new tricks to like get my score up, and all of a sudden the leaderboard on the Donkey Kong game became something that everyone was kind of like, not every God, no, like that like five people in my office were talking about, <laughs> and that was just really fun to like. It's it's that same mentality of like that that leaderboard. So maybe a speed run, or just a competitive first person experience, I guess you would call it, or first uh, one player experience, um, right? Uh, is something that could you know set you off like 
trying to get above 100k in Donkey Kong is that's totally. that's, a, that's a feat and like it's fun to like eventually get to that and uh because we were talking about this is just a fun fun fact because we were talking about just the vanilla Mario games like running those that's that's impossible shit like you can, you can you have to dedicate your life to doing that 5 days ago there is a new Super Mario Brothers run I didn't see this and so here's how ridiculous that is uh first second place is 4 minutes 55 seconds 746 milliseconds which mm-hmm. just got beat out by fifty-five second or four minutes fifty-five seconds, six hundred forty-six milliseconds. So, just thinking about leaderboards that are that tight, yeah, is pretty gross. But like, um, what keeps me coming back to the Mario uh, like custom community is it's it's still like that that ROM hacking scene is still like weird and niche enough to where like oh cool I could kind of maybe like even if I'm if I show up on a lot of leaderboards, people will notice that type of thing. Like that, that's also mm-hmm. kind of fun to like. Oh, maybe getting some recognition out of that would be. Uh, yeah, uh, you like build your resume out of. Yeah, that it'd be stuff. it'd be fun to notice. Yeah, I mean, I I love GDQ. I, I think we're kind of wrapping up on this stuff. I, there's a ton of other runs that uh, that I think were were pretty cool. Uh, maybe we can link to a bunch of those in the show notes. But I think that'd be smart. The, I really like GDQ stuff as as a person who's never going to be a speedrunner. Like, despite all that I said about how I might want to do Marble Madness, that's never going to happen. Um, but there's there's something really fun and fascinating about watching GDQs, and we talked about the camaraderie, but there's also just something about learning about these games that speedrunners really have broken down these games to their barest of components. And Zach, like way back in when you were talking about games that you've been playing, you're talking about Baba is You. And he's like, how did you make that? If somebody's out there speed running Baba is You, they will know exactly how that game is made yeah. because that's how you break these games. You you really dig into them. You find every uh, every possible way that the, the code is put in. You're finding different tricks that the developer sometimes intended or didn't intend or didn't intend to that intensity. Uh, and and the way you learn these things and and the most fun ones for me are when uh, like they did in the Fallout anthology. It's like cool, cool. Uh, we're playing Fallout One normally, uh, and then Fallout Two I think was also pretty normal. Uh, Fallout Three, yeah, we're playing this one in Italian, and we do it because it saves like twenty seconds because the Italian just goes slightly faster because the voice acting is slightly faster in the Italian version. That's great. And then now we're switching to French or something in this other game that we're playing because that one's a little bit faster. Uh, or even like the Ocarina of Time, we play this in the Japanese because the the kanji characters come up and and take less time to uh, to show than the than the English. And that happens with a lot of speedrunning games. But uh, it, I, those those little things where. These these guys, and I think that's why the couches are so important for for these GDQ runs, where somebody can really explain to you what they're doing to a game and how they're breaking it down and how they've learned all these tricks over the years. It it just makes for this really fascinating thing to watch, and and I just I really love GDQs for that. Mm-hmm. For sure. totally. I think it's a uh, amazing community. I'm I'm super stoked to see it grow and become more public. Like I. I wish that I could go to a place like Buffalo Wild Wings and rather than watching like 15 different versions of football, I could watch at least one TV that had something like this on it while I was eating my wings. 
Like that's what I I hope to get to a point of. I want to speed run eating wings. That's 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 something that I could set some records for. I think. <laughs> now you're getting into it. Like I'm yeah. happy for those things. Uh, uh, so we will we we will put a list of the of the runs that we liked um, on somewhere on on some show notes. There there is one technically two more that I that I want to just briefly mention, and that is the two runs for the Untitled Goose Game because I thought those were were just hilarious and fun and also kind of. A, th- a running theme through AGDQ because that was like having the audience say honk a lot was was definitely something that happened but it was it was all because of Goose Game and those runs totally lived up to that the the one was the the first one was the all tasks run by Tasselfoot and and just watching him I, I played that game over the course of an afternoon of a Sunday afternoon and you know it took me you know five six hours or so and it was just fun to to mess around and and puzzle things out and to watch this guy not really even glitch through like there were a couple of ways that he was able to break through a couple of fences and things and and sequence break but uh for the most part it was just brutal efficiency for a game that does not that is not about brutal efficiency to watch him him play it that way was was really cool and then after that, like on the couch, they had uh, like this this one guy who's like, oh, hey, I'm Yisk. I'm the any percent world record holder of, of this game. And then a couple other guys there and they're talking through the the all tasks run. And then uh, it was a donation incentive that they just barely met. And and so Yisk comes up and he's like, OK, well, I guess I'll do the any percent. And it's going to be way different than the all tasks because he just kind of skips through the entire game. He he like clips through a couple things uh, using using some uh, like black magic basically, and just like totally destroys the game in like two minutes. You know, this how what the f- what the fuck is how what did I just see? It it was really cool. I, I thought there was a that was a lot of fun to watch. And the audience was was also way into that one because they'd been yelling honk the the entire GDQ. That's awesome. So so that run was was pretty cool. Nice. Um, um I think that kind of wraps things up. Um, there is there is one more question I had for you, Zach. Has has speed running has has speed running these Mario games changed the way? you view other games or even change the types of games that you like to play. I know you talked about uh, in your what you've been playing um, about Death Stranding, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm guessing you weren't attempting to speed run Death Stranding. No. But is, is, playing, a, is playing Quickie World 2 uh, somehow informing the way you play uh, a game like Death Stranding, or is it even something where you're considering how Death Stranding is being made because you have this mentality of trying to break these games down to their barest of components. Uh, I look up like whenever I play something or like with death stranding, just, we'll just keep that as an example. Like the other day I did wonder like, Oh, how is that? How does that look now? So I think that's, that's probably the biggest change that it'll have with, with me. Um, when looking at games or when thinking about thinking about games, it's just, I will look up like, Oh, what, what does this speed run look like? Um, I don't even think as like a, oh, I'm interested in maybe doing that someday, just as like a, how in the hell would you do that? Because you never think about like, I don't know, maybe unless you're like 
playing a Dark Souls or a Bloodborne and you're like, how can I get back to this boss that killed me as fast as possible? Fuck. Like, like you never really think about how to do things faster. Um, you just want to get through the game. So um, I think I think that question will pop up. But um, no, speedrunning for me so far is just like um, a way to, an excuse to play really hard games right now, I think. Um, but yeah, who knows? I, I think... Uh, I think as I was thinking about your question, like what other games would I speed run? Like maybe like Zelda two is also an impossible game. That would be really, really sure. fun to just like, I, cause I like playing that game, but I, you know, you have to get you really like spun up for how to play it. But uh, yeah, that, that's, that's a good question. I don't, I don't know if speed running will really change how I play games. I think it gave me the patience to play something as slow as death stranding because I would come down here and like play quickie really, really fast. And, uh, you know, it was just a completely different pace to like playing Death Stranding with my son asleep on my chest. Like, I guess I'm here for two hours and, you know, just <laughs> doing my chores. So maybe, maybe I'll play more slow that, games. That even, I can imagine even game, games like Dark Souls probably make more sense to speedrunners in a way. Like the, the same reason that I don't play Dark Souls is probably the same reason I don't do speedruns is that... You know, I I don't want to spend three hours on something and feel like I've made no progress. Mm -hmm. And and the idea of dying a thousand times in Quickie World on the same level or spending 20 hours just trying to figure out the the first level of uh, Grand Pooh World 2 or something uh, is is the same issue I would have of like, man, I died to this boss twice and I lost all my souls. I guess these last six hours were pointless. Uh, other than the knowledge I gained along the way, but that's bullshit. And I, that I have nothing. To, I have nothing physical to show for the the effort that I've put in. Um, and I, and I feel like speedrunning would probably drive me up a wall in the exact same way. But but like people who play Dark Souls well, it is an amazing thing to watch sometimes. Yeah. So un- unlike your runs, this episode has definitely not been a speed run. Uh, we've gone a little bit longer than we normally do. And thank you for. Uh, allowing and we that. normally go long. And we normally go long. Uh, Zach, where where can people find some of these videos that you're putting up, and where can can they follow your antics? Um, so I, I tweet everything out. So just Z Fleeman on Twitter, and uh, I, I I guess with the speedrunning thing, I'm streaming a lot more, and that's Z Fleeman on Twitch. And then uh, my my YouTube, I haven't done anything concrete in a while, but I upload some like more static videos that are. I guess YouTube's just it's better to watch static videos than Twitch highlights mm-hmm. in my opinion. So that's where my I, I broadcast to Twitch at a lower bitrate than I record, so I put the higher bitrate stuff on up on YouTube if you care about that sort of thing. Um cool. when's uh when's the next save your coins? When's uh you getting that soon? Uh I so I do have a here's the thing in my op I, I don't know. But I do have a thing <laughs> I do have a thing in my OBS to where I, I can flip a switch and then that that kick-ass intro animation that my buddy made me it it's very like, good that can like flip on at any moment so i'm wondering if in a, f- a future stream i will just be like hmm you know what let's let's let let's reboot save your coins with a, like an itch.io focus or something and then i flip that switch <laughs> and it goes boom bring, and it just well may- maybe just more videos about um genesis ronald mcdonald games how about there you that? go can we, I, get, oh, can oh, we get more ooh, of that ooh. i did look up that speed run <laughs> Oh, of course it's you crazy. did. <laughs> Can't do it. <laughs> do you have a set uh, schedule for your streams? 
No, I don't. Sadly, um, okay. After babies go to bed, whenever yeah, baby, no, whenever, I, whenever I totally you think get a baby has gone to bed, check my stream. Okay. Oh, we're sorry for cutting into your streaming time. Oh, it's then. fine. I hope he's asleep. Uh, God. Well, I did. I, I have watched a couple of uh, via your tweets, and uh, it's really cool to see that in action. So, uh, if you are listening to this, please keep an eye on that Twitter feed because he does have some great stuff going up on that. Uh, Chase, yeah. you die. You die a lot, but like l- less than I would. He die. learns a and lot. That's mm-hmm. still impressive to me. <laughs> uh, Chase, how's things going with gamers on the go? Uh, it's going well. Uh, we we've done some some episodes with that somewhat recently. Uh, the last time I uh, haven't had a new episode since the last one I mentioned, which was Attack of the Friday Monsters: A Tokyo Tale, with one of my favorite guests, Matt Jagger, for that. Um, and there's a couple of other other podcasts that we're talking about that should be coming up in the in the near future, maybe with Johnny mm-hmm. uh, if if I have to. Um, but uh, there's there's some cool stuff there. You can go to gamersonthego.com and watch or sorry, listen to all of those podcasts. Um, and then also recently we just had our deep dive on the um, that I that I uh, spearheaded for the Nintendo 64 transfer pack and all the yeah well, I say all the things you can do with that, but it's a relatively limited number of things you can do with that. Uh, but I I have written that up and kind of cross posted it on. Uh, the gamers on the go.com page so you can read about the Nintendo 64 transfer pack if you don't want to listen to us talk about it but yeah so that's all there cool man uh i i was so pumped with that ep- i keep thinking about that episode you did with your deep dive on the transfer pack that was so much fun i already know the the next one i'll do uh we all kind of take turns on the deep dives i think i'm taking over for march Mm -hmm. uh, because of some games getting delayed and other games not getting delayed so i'm gonna do something that is at least tangentially related to a game that's coming out in march uh but i think i think if you enjoyed the transfer pack talk you'll probably enjoy the next one that i have in store i can't wait uh i am Currently, I've, I've started to do a loose schedule of some stuff that has piqued my curiosity uh, that I might want to record some quick looks for. And uh, I've got an idea how I might try to fundamentally set up that. And I think I've got that hammered out as well. So once I get through this next stretch of days on at work, I might use one of my days off to try and map out at least a test run or two on some of this new methodology for recording and capturing in my new setup. And I'd love to get back to putting up some quick looks and focusing on some of, I want to add in some more Apple arcade stuff because I've been uh, checking that stuff out every Friday and just trying to like make sense of that service and what I like about it. And then also some of the stuff they're adding with game pass and continue to focus on some of those games that you are maybe not aware of that are already in the shit you're paying for, or that's getting your like live service money through all those consoles. So uh, hopefully some stuff with Lumberjack Smack down the road that we'll be looking at. Uh, just some more discovery things around uh, those there. Uh, you can find all that through my Twitter, uh, but I also am Lumberjack Smack on YouTube and across the board uh, with that stuff. So hopefully some more more to come there. Uh, I think next week is just going to be one of our standard what you've been playing episodes, or is that a preview? It's a preview episode, right? I, th- I think it might be February preview. Yeah, I think this is going to be February preview. We'll have Johnny back from assignment. 
and be talking to you about those lovely games that come out in February. And and, and probably also Tokyo Mirage Sessions. A little bit of that, too. Uh, <laughs> but for following this show or to, to, to ask more questions to us, like if there was maybe something that you saw at Awesome Games Done Quick that you wanted to talk about, you can email us. We are thecasualhour at gmail.com. Uh, we are at the casual hour across the board on any social platform. Uh, we are also hosted by anchor.fm. And if you do feel inclined, you can go and subscribe to our show on literally, literally any podcasting platform that you have, or we have an RSS feed that you can plug into to any of those readers that you have. Uh, if you want to throw some money, you can do so too. We have a link at the bottom of our page there that you can actively support with your dollar but we would love just more word of mouth at this point in time. So if you want to share our podcast with somebody, uh, we would really appreciate that as well. Uh, with that being said, we'll be back next Friday with some fun and exciting things. Zach, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much Thanks for coming for back. So much for coming. Hey, no on. problem. This is great. Uh, ho- hopefully we can get you on again before with, two years from now. Yeah. I'd love for you to meet Johnny too. I mean, he's not the greatest, but you know, Eh, I mean, you're not the, the Johnny joke. I'm not a regular enough listener to under, to understand if you actually like this person or not. <laughs> no, the, the joke is that we absolutely hate him. <laughs> yeah, we hate him. Okay. Uh, he's he's not great. Um, like, Man, this, this guy. poor guy. No. Johnny Johnny and I have worked. Uh, we we worked together like ten years ago and just have become. He is a good friend. And I worked with his wife. Gotcha. And she's lovely. She's much better he's than Johnny. Like, yeah, sounds yeah. like it. Uh, Low bar. Cool. Well, I appreciate uh, both of you uh, walking me through all this and giving me a little bit more peek behind the curtains on some of these tactics with speedrunning. And uh, we will be back soon. So appreciate you all listening in.